Okay. Great. Good. <coughs> um, so my first question is about consciousness. The, about um, consciousness. Yes. So in Diga Nigaya, the Sutta in Diga Nigaya, yes. that talks about aware consciousness. We'll have to put this up just a little bit higher. I forgot to press the. Uh, so. Yeah. We, you? you know what happened was we took a, a break to start again and then first it was on the floors. Uh, yeah, so a few minutes. So I'll just give a summary of the few minutes. If you just go back to the question to ask, I'll give a short summary. Okay. okay. Yeah, go ahead. So the mm-hmm. first question that you asked was on... Consciousness. Okay. So just repeat what you wrote of consciousness. Uh, where consciousness is signless, boundless, or luminous, four elements find no footing. With the cessation of consciousness, this is all destroyed. Right. So with consciousness... Can you ask James to um, do the sit for me? If he's going. So with the first one, uh, there is consciousness. We sometimes know this in deep meditation. It may arise spontaneously. There's an incredible sense of expansiveness. And with that expansiveness, the world of matter elements and not having that impact really and it really could be felt life is full of consciousness everything seems to be con- seems to be conscious uh, there's an important experience but it's not ultimately true ultimate um, and then he, there's a reference to the cessation of consciousness some think of it as death or uh, extinction or annihilation but it's not that because it's a middle way uh, teaching. So it is a reference to the conditionality of consciousness, which is affected by not seeing clearly, which is affected by formations of body, speech, and mind, which has its influence on mind and body and, and the whole dynamic. And that consciousness, which ends up in suffering, that consciousness can be finished with that. There can be the cessation of that consciousness. But it would be just a viewpoint to say, oh, there is some other bit of consciousness left over. Um, And it would be a viewpoint to say, oh, well, that means extinction. There is no consciousness. And neither of those views would be acceptable. They both would be regarded as extreme positions. And it's exactly the same with perception. Taking very, very deep experiences, a person may say, well, I'm not really perceiving anything, but I'm not, not perceiving uh, there. And there can be a vast sense of that, but again, not ultimately. Mm. And then the second... Is our nimitta. Yes, so this word nimitta, used by the Buddha, quite regularly, but not an awful lot, um, is this reference to what particular or characteristic or what we take from something and um, a sign of or an image of and we do something with it. And we can spend a lot of time living in the nimitta, the image, the picture, the sign, the signal, the interpretation, and we get caught up in that. And he's giving encouragement, can we see without dwelling in the nimitta? 
in the signal image picture. The, the bare actuality is the uh, encouragement. Okay. Good. So I'll continue with that. Yeah, please do. The, the cook thing. So um, the Buddha says, um, for for unskilled, unskillful cook, he, even though he works very hard, he doesn't get the mindset or the preferences no. of the king, so he doesn't end up getting not paid. Mm. Um, but for another cook who yeah. is skillful, who, who understands the mm. preferences of the king, he works very hard and he gets paid a lot. Yes. So by the same token, for a monk who is unskillful in discerning the limit of the mind, the mm. sign of the mind, he, even though he works very hard by um, by contemplating, be, be very mindful of the four foundations. Yes. Um, he doesn't get uh, concentrated. His mind doesn't get no, concentrated. Right. But for monk who who works very yes. hard, is mindful, and he also get the sign of the mind. He ends up um, yeah. get a concentrated mind. Yeah. So, what is the sign of the mind? Seems like it's it's you know it's the most important thing here. I mean, you can be mindful, but if you don't get the sign of the mind, one doesn't get concentrated. Ah, I see. Yeah, I. I, I I don't know where that discourse, you know. Samyutta Nigaya 47.8. I'd have to have a a read. A a couple of things come to mind here. Mm. It can happen. The person is really sincerely doing their practice Mm -hmm and then have grasped onto some aspect uh, uh, of it. So it could be mindfulness of breathing and whatever. Grasped onto some benefit of it. Um, I'm grasping here. Um, the person is identifying with some method and technique. They have a... a, a um, that the method and technique, which is a signal, it's a limiter, it's a sign mm. uh, of, and get uh, caught up in that. Whereas um, another is just practicing and not getting limited to method, technique, form of doing things, and much, much more. So I, th- I suspect it's the cook um, and makes reference maybe to the Buddha mm-hmm. uh, to the teacher uh, he's offering the teaching and it's and it's the words and what it's pointing to and the image or the picture of it is grabbed onto but it's misunderstood mm. and therefore the, the full development of the four applications of mindfulness don't, don't, don't arise and I think it's probably more about the king as the teacher in this, in this respect and it happens easily, people come, sit retreats and courses, grab hold of some bit, some bit of it. Mm. So, as an example, I might say, really be present. person takes that image and says, oh, the teachings are all about being here and now. Mm. They're not. So it's those things. They take something, takes a sign of what it seems to be, and applies it, but doesn't get the full benefit. Two small questions regarding my personal practice. Yes. So I have basically have two experiences. Yes. Both I had a couple. So in one experience, and when I meditate, I usually um, experience very uh, very calm. Yes. And see the light. 
Yes. Um, and in another experience, I also feel very calm, but not that calm. But then I don't see the light, but I do feel like very, very happy. Like in yeah. Throughout okay. the body. Yeah. Even vibration, things like yeah. that. So I'm not sure what contributes to the difference of the two. No, it, it, it is lots of these things in the meditation process genuinely um, hard to know. Mm. Quite often, with light that's uh, manifesting, which can be very bright and strong, it's the connection and the contact of energy with the consciousness and the meeting of those two sparks it brings about a light mm. then in another meditation that may be absent and the meditations and with the Buddha's word as well here uh, both of them really can be beneficial and the meditation which is full of bright light, mm. and feels the brightness of the consciousness, there's the absence of thoughts and daydreams and fantasy and feel bright, and there with the calm you spoke, and another that isn't present, but the calmness is there, and the mm. calmness would be, it is more significant than the presence or absence of light. So both are conducive to getting jhana, I guess? Both, both are conducive okay. to, uh, yeah, to uh, entering into uh, uh, jhana. Okay, yeah. good to know. Um, okay, um, I'm not sure if you are familiar with um, and the, void, uh, the meditation of voidness or Emptiness, signless. you mean? Yeah. Or signless? Signless. Signless is unlimited. That means unlimited. Unlimited. Yeah, and also undirected meditation. Undirected. Yeah. yeah. And Buddha says these three meditations were path to nibbana, to the unconditioned. Yeah, yeah. So, what's their relationship to the eight attainment, including the, you know, the four jhanas and the four arupa jhanas? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 again, in this, um, should we say, uh, diversity of uh, uh, exploration, um, one of the important areas. For some, as part of the exploration, is the um, recognition of the the value of emptiness and mm. not seeing anything as having any big substance. Uh, the signlessness would be would be um, shunyata and animita. And the third one is this mm, undirected. Yeah, and and and, and undirected. It? Well, it's a little bit. I think it's. I can't remember what. You haven't got the Pali word there. Have you? Pali no, no. I, I can't quite remember that there. But it. I would sense it's closest, probably, to this expansive awareness language we are using here. One is not directing. Um, the mind in any way onto an object. So it's not applying any direction to it, and there is a residing there, and in that uh, receptivity, some intuitions or realizations may come about the unconditioned. Okay. Because not dwelling on the conditioned. And all three, for an image, you have to go to an object, take something from it. And the undirected is the same, and, and emptiness is to go to, not employing emptiness is a way to go to something, and 
make it have its own existence. So all three is the absence of interest in an object. Mm. And that itself can point the way to the unconditioned. Yes. So in terms of actual, actual practice, mm. do you practice them after one attains jhana? Or no. You, 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 it's, um, there's no before and after with this. So that means, for some, there's a direct intentionality to deep absorptions. Mm that would not then include those three because one's doing deep meditations deep, these deep absorptions uh, uh, there some understanding may come quite naturally and spontaneously but absorptions are one experience and there are other experiences which are formless mm. um, and those absorptions are at realms to abide in yes. yeah, yeah. thank you um, this question is on the, the practice of the, the Eightfold Path yeah. and the Five Powers and the Seven Factors of Enlightenment. Yeah. So um, for each of these, including you know the right view, mm. the right concentration, the factor of mindfulness, the factor of wisdom, mm. so for each of these, one should practice them based on seclusion, dispassion, cessation, maturing, and release. What were the words? But what were the words you said they should based on? Based on seclusion, seclusion. dispassion, mm. cessation, maturing in release. Mm. So what exactly does it mean and how should one go about practicing this? Yeah. Um, um, it may be used, if I remember, in some kind of uh, um, uh, context. So, for some, there is, uh, say, some. Uh, the important one, this last one is the most release, which is mm. liberation. Mm. Um, that, that, that's the important. And some just go and explore these um, in, uh, in seclusion, alone there, um, in one's room, in the hut, in the forest, or, or whatever it might be, uh, with. They're all kind of ways to look at and uh, develop. And so sometimes the Eightfold Path for some people is very significant. Mm. And another time it's these five powers of uh, trust and mindfulness, and samadhi, uh, energy, wisdom. Mm. And for another it could be uh, mindfulness and inquiry and happiness and joy and equanimity and so forth uh, and, and sometimes the, the sense of the, the group uh, really works together and that may be that dispassion um, not the best of translations um, uh, it's viraga is the, is the Pali word and it's in reference to this um, excitement, agitation, uh, and build up of emotion and, uh, and, and, and so forth. And that excitement and agitation just obviously don't help. 
So the practice is dissolving that. Mm. And then he speaks of Dharma Raga in another place, mm. which is that quiet love and passion for the teachings and the practices. Mm. And that's the context of, um, of the, the, the dispassion here. So take an example of developing, say, the enlightenment factor of mindfulness. Yeah. You should go, you know, be alone, secluded, and then no, develop no, no, mindfulness. Sorry, 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 sorry. It's not one should go alone and be secluded <laughs> there. He may, as it does happen, sometimes may have been having a conversation with an individual monk. Mm -hmm. It could be the context. Um, he may be speaking about the virtues of um, context of kind of solitude and noble silence uh, there but it is not a general statement it is not for everyone I mean a noble eightfold path it includes right speech well you can't do that without having somebody in front of you mm -hmm. it includes livelihood you can't do that without having some work yeah. which involves other people so there's certain contexts and and that's the important thing with this. Okay. <laughs> okay, the next thing is the concept of um, equanimity. Yeah. Um, so, oh, okay. Um, so, in Majima Nikaya, there's a sutta that says that having seen this suffering as it actually is with proper wisdom, yeah. he avoids the equanimity that is diversified based on diversity. And it develops the equanimity that <coughs> is unified based on unity, yeah. where clinging to the material things of the world utterly ceases without remainder. Mm. So the question is, what exactly is equanimity that is diversified? The commentary says it's the apathy or the indifference to the five chords of sensual pleasure. <coughs> so if it's indifference to mm. you know the five senses, why is there suffering to it? And we should then avoid that kind of equanimity. Um, personally, I, I I never take a scrap of notice of the commentary. Much of it was written by scholars. Right. Yeah, that doesn't seem right in this context. No, I mean, and, and many others. Buddha Gosha, mm. they, in the Theravada world, they say, "Oh, he's a second Buddha, and all this kind. Of, he's an arahant, etc." And just tell them, go to the back of the Visuddhi Marga, mm -hmm. read what his, his last words are. May the merit I make from this take me to heaven. <laughs> hardly, hardly the language of liberation. So, um, the, the context here, the... Diversified versus... The verse, yeah, yes. Yeah. So, yes, <coughs> not always easy to know, I'd have to have a check out of... Uh, of uh, the Pali, but as the Buddha play, places obviously great store on equanimity. Mm. In some contexts, he says it's so deep it's divine, being with God, you know, Brahma Vihara. Um, in another context, he says it's the great power of the mind. In another context, he says it's a real factor of awakening. Yeah. Yeah. And its use. There, people sometimes in the West describe it as a state of balance, but it doesn't go deep enough. It's the ability to stay really steady in the face of attraction and aversion. Mm. 
um, really steady in the face of what presents itself inwardly or outwardly really this is a deep profound uh, steadiness to all things mm -hmm. to whatever uh, there and it, the steadiness of that is important because truth is steady it's not unsteady reality is steady it's not unsteady the unconditioned is steady not un unsteady so the diversification would be um, oh sometimes oh oh this is happening and it really need to be economist about that this is the diversification mm -hmm. it is too important but it's the diversity the equanimity is being turned towards a particular whatever um, because it's need we need to need to do that but like with consciousness is always pointing deeper mm. uh, and and therefore it's from diversity to non-diversity and in that abiding there is this uh, receptivity to the deathless to the unconditioned to uh, uh, the reality no matter what happens I see, yes um, ok my next question is based on the sutta from Anguttara Nikaya. Mm. So the eye itself as well as forms will be present and yet when we will not experience that base. We're not experience when we're not experience that base. It is while one is actually percipient that one does not experience that base. <coughs> yeah. Um, not while one is non percipient. And the blessed one said that this concentration has final knowledge as its fruit. When one is thus percipient too, one does not experience that base. Oh. <laughs> it's very no. difficult to me. No, yeah. <laughs> um, <coughs> no, no. Again, translators um, sometimes uh, uh, <coughs> make a simple statement rather complicated mm -hmm. this is yeah, uh, one so then when I, would say, I, say, I might read that in like you then I send the text and, the, and uh, the page where it is to my Pali friends please word by word what this what this is and then sometimes out of that it gets clear mm. so I can only we can't quite understand what it means, but can only hazard a guess. Since it's to do with the ultimate, he makes clear that with the noble ones, there is a, um, an immense liberation, but there still can be the this arising of the eye, and the eye can arise in the. I have realized that's the percipient mm -hmm. yeah. and that is still identification might be quite subtle not egotistical um, is that there is some uh, the percipient the eye here yeah, has some identification uh, with it 
and that is what is remaining. It's still a bit I and my is still in there, subtle, but that's what's remaining. And then it is this realization, liberation, and there is a seeing and a knowing in which the there's no remainder of I and my. One's just sees the emptiness of it. The, the idea of identifying with nirvana or liberation seems absurd. That, 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 that's what I would understand from it. The I and my, there's no remainder of it. Okay, thanks. Um, yeah, these are actually all my questions from the suttas. Yeah. I do have a couple more, but that's just general questions, not right. from the suttas. Okay, whichever you wish. Okay. You're, you're, you're the questioner. <laughs> so, um, so, so I've been trying to practice the Anapanasati based yeah. on the 16 steps, you know, yeah. in the mm. sutta. Um, so, my problem is, um, number one, um, how would you like gladden the mind, which seems yeah. to be pretty important. I, I've given um, retreats yeah. on the Anapanasati discourse. Uh, and um, the language, because it looks like, and I use it sometimes, 16 steps. More precisely, it's kind of four tetrads, yeah. four in each one, mm -hmm. yes. and this um, gladdening. Uh, and the thread with this much loved discourse, of course, is that all the way through, Anapana is applied all the way through. Mm. Yes. It's, it's the consistent, in other words, here, like with the Pasana Satipatthana, step by step. So with the uh, quote-unquote 16 uh, steps, one of them is this, uh, the gladdening. Mm. The contact with the feeling is important. The, the gladdening of the heart and mind comes through the purposeful uh, either recollection or immediate appreciation. Immediate appreciation could be one is very glad to have an opportunity to do this practice. Yes. There is the there is the gladdening of the mind through the love of the three jewels and the benefits in one's daily life. There is the gladness of the mind to be in, let's say, the beautiful nature. Uh, there is the gladness of the mind to have some time for solitude or silence and to explore. And those specifics that there can be referred to and that can then evoke mm. this gladdening of the mind. Yes. So it's a way of allowing happy, appreciative feelings and to recognize in life as well there is um, much to be glad about. And it's an antidote to the dukkha and all the other uh, stuff. And it's, uh, I've used it um, uh, in the West because sometimes in the West people get so bogged down in their dukkha, dukkha, dukkha. You know, and then they get the impression of oh, the Buddha is saying life is dukkha, which is never said anywhere. Uh, then that can easily feed into it. So this you know, brings out this you know, much to be glad about and to really introduce that. So it could be about past things, but I think, generally speaking, it's best if it's present. Yes. Um, 
Another thing about Anapanasati is that there are really different instructions from different like, traditions. You so may, may, maybe some, some someone will tell you tell you to you know focus on the breathing in this triangular. Yeah, area. yeah. And then there are another tradition saying that you have to focus on you know the airflow like throughout like, yeah. complete breathing. And then there's something. Okay, and then Paok tradition said that you need to focus on the concept of breathing, not the, the sensation of breathing itself, which confuses me a lot. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it was, so yeah. yeah what I exactly? Can't get that. What's that mean? I'm not sure. All right. So how, how is that and then there's a rise and fall of yeah. the abdomen, yeah. and you know, uh, etc. Uh, et so the way I tend um, to understand this is that the teachers who teach that mm -hmm. have benefit benefited a lot from it mm. and therefore that's what they understand, what they know and that's what they offer yeah. etc. And then so then you get the contrast you know, like tip of the nose, triangle um, breathing in long deep, rise and fall of the abdomen uh, etc. Yeah, so the criteria... What did the, eh? the Buddha say? Like in his but is very uh, clear of what is, as you see in the Anapanasati, my mindfully breathes in, my mindfully breathes out. Mm. No mention of nose exactly. or, or rise and fall of the yeah. abdomen. Yeah. Um, one knows if the breath is long or if it is uh, short yeah. uh, and is keeping in touch with uh, uh, that way. Mm. So, I like that. What I like about it, why I speak that kind of language, apart from appreciation for the Buddha, um, is there can be for some a tendency to kind of contract very narrowly and that can build up pressure trying to be in a tiny little spot mm. um, and similarly with the rise and fall of the uh, of the ab abdomen um, and then sometimes with the rise and fall of the abdomen the teacher will say what was happening on your when you breathed into the abdomen what was happening when you breathed out it's, uh, Etc. And I think sometimes it's just a bit too much detail. Mm. You know, I try to minutely examine every little thing. Mm. And some traditions emphasize that, but as always, each person from their own experience is the best. Okay. What, what they, yes. they might feel great benefits, may also feel the limits, and they have to decide rather than the authority of the teacher. And then when the mind gets liberated, mm. um, how exactly should one investigate the impermanence of the five karmas? I mean, I mean, of course, when one can just go observe, you know, the rising and the passing away, yeah. the feelings and sensations and mindset, yeah. mind state. But I feel maybe there's something more subtle to that, or yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a f may not be ultimate, but there is. Um, a genuine freedom in looking at the world that we live in, mm -hmm. of course, looking at the arising of uh, the condition. Mm -hmm. So this general way, things arise, stay and pass, sometimes the stay is just gets left out, mm -hmm. so it's arising and passing, mm -hmm. uh, there it's just impermanent. Uh, there. The word anicca literally means not permanent, mm. which actually is kind of skillful. Nothing is permanent. Mm. 
therefore nothing is worth holding on to. Not that impermanence or not, but is the ultimate reality. It's just that because it's impermanent, it's not worth holding on to. Mm. That, that's uh, there. There are many ways of observing it from the gross. This world is not permanent. This life is impermanent. Uh, this day is impermanent. This mm -hmm. experience is impermanent. This sensation is impermanent. And it can go quite deep to the... Buddhists never use the word kalapas, subatomic particles, mm -hmm. not in the text yeah. anywhere. It's a Theravada <laughs> atomic word. Um, but the, at very subtle levels, it's also very uh, 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 impermanent. Mm. More importantly is the relationship to the world of big change, medium size, small change, our life uh, change. And sometimes one can just see very, very subtly the dynamics of change. Sometimes in the deep meditation, one can feel see the thought when it's started to run very early sometimes we can see the thought first thought or two sometimes very even more subtle uh, one can see feel the movement before the thought becomes the thought mm. it can be yeah. deep enough so from perception and feeling con concept to a conception to a movement to a thought in the mind one can actually spot all that and it's that subtle changing process going on at many levels from the big to the small and it's not a teaching like in the west science especially it's a teaching or a, a view of life essentially of reductionism down to the smallest subatomic particle and trying to break it up mm. etc but uh, the buddha's teachings are a teaching of liberation not to claim this is the true reality it's all made up of particles or it's all one it's not concerned with the, these variety of views and opinions about the state of the world in that way okay um, so in the suttas, there are many occasions where the Buddha talks about the casino meditation or the meditation on the elements, mm. but it doesn't really provide as detailed instructions as this Anapanasati. No. So where like, can we get you know reliable information on how to practice he, he, the casino elements? The, I, the casino is very rare, I would say. Very rare. Very rare in the suttas. I would. I mean, you could. Do a search. I think it's. I think it's. Yeah. Um, obviously, much more emphasis on mindfulness, samadhi, yoniso manisakara, wise attention. Find m much more regular, regular use of that kind of language there. And uh, but in plenty of cases. Satipatthana, application of mindfulness discourse and anapanasati. Yeah. Then it's fairly specific. Mindfully breathe in, mindfully breathe out, yeah. be mindful of the body, of the feelings. Yeah. Pretty clear, this is what you do. Yeah. Uh, and um, in other places, he's pointed like dependent arising, let's say, owing to not to avijja, not knowing, not realizing, not seeing. 
these patterns, habits and tendencies may come, mm-hmm. which then lead on, and explaining the process in order that one practices learning to see this process, because it's going to lead to some dukkha if one doesn't change something. So quite often it's pointing out rather than method and technique. In, 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 you will not find as an example any method and technique to go to the Brahma Viharas. Well, you can't find it in the text. It's a Theravada commentary. And, it's, and uh, it took me a while actually through conversations about this with Ajahn Buddhadasa. And Ajahn Buddhadasa took the view that I asked him. He said, Love, friendship, metta. Compassion, appreciative joy, and equanimity um, comes out of wisdom. You don't develop it; you find the wisdom, and that, and that will come out of it. That's why. That's why there's no method and technique. Absolutely. Mm. Okay. Um, okay. Um, are there any other like good meditation masters or genre, you know, masters, practitioners who you recommend? I know that Lee Brazenton you know, used yeah, to did, hold yeah. a retreat at Empire House. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. In fact, he just what do you think sent, sent me a message just oh, yeah. while, while this retreat was going on. Oh. Mm, yeah. Yeah. He's 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 he told the person to whatever, say hello and said did one of his first retreats with me years ago and da 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 um, and his health is actually questionable I understand uh, there but he is the best known person um, yeah. you, it's an interesting phenomenon with the, uh, the journey uh, because there's always been much discussion, obviously, uh, around them. And Karen, from Israel, good friend, I'll say she wrote a very good book on the jhanas. Very good. Oh, with me? Sheila. Oh, Sheila? No, this is, no, I mean, it's a good book as well. So two of the people have done it. Um, Karen. What's it? Eh? What's it? No. Yeah. I come. Uh, anyway, I, th- I think it's got. I think it's called the Four Jhanas, something like that. Really? Four Absorptions. Really yeah. good book published in uh, London. And <coughs> so, my listening, listening to the others, there sometimes the view, like a person, I'll give you example, a person sat in front of me and said, oh, in the last sitting, um, I went through all eight jhanas. There aren't eight jhanas anyway, there are only four jhanas. The others are realms, they're a completely different ballgame. Uh, and I said, where did, where did you get this idea from? And he said he was a student of Ayakema. So, and... So is Lee Yeah, yes. I, I, I didn't... I understand he's not teaching the same, but so there are some. If you have some happiness, a little bit of concentration, oh, that's the jhana. It's lightweight, it's flimsy, floppy, whatever. Yeah, it's the, it's the far end. 
of, of things there. Jhana, there is unquestionably a sense of depth. Mm. The thing is, it feels deep. That's mm. the beauty of it. But then there's the power uh, there, from what I hear, I haven't been, but what I hear, who also teaching jhana, but speak of it that it's really rare that anybody gets into these four jhanas. Mm. It's really unusual. It's not. So, you know, quite regularly on retreats, people come, they've never heard the word jhana in their entire life. They give me a, a description of feeling real concentration, a real depth, happiness and joy is coming through, they're feeling it in the body, they're reflecting on something, it's all the characteristics of the first jhana, and, and they're saying just how deep it feels. Uh, so, it, sometimes there's a receptivity just coming without any specific training or direction, yeah. and others do practices, and some of us, like me and others, we did plenty of jhana practice. Oh, how about Ajahn Brahm? Do you know Ajahn Brahm? Do you know with his method? I don't... I mean, I know... No, but I, I... can't remember what his views are. Oh, okay, so basically he says that we need to focus on the pres- a silent present awareness of the breathing, and then uh, we focus on the, 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 the beautiful aspect of breathing. And mm. then there's light, and then we enter the light, and then there's... Oh, that way. <laughs> yes, there's plenty of creative and imaginative uh, ways, and as always, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. If it works, Hari Om. Marvellous, five star, okay. inshallah. <laughs> and okay, that's right. So, so, I mean, that is the more important thing, you know. It, it, so, if it sounds like Ajahn Brahm has found it really, that's what's worked well for him. It's not a theory. And yeah, I, I had a meeting with Upandita. So, Upandita. <laughs> He's a hardcore, granite-faced tough guy of the Vipassana. Mahashi style. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hard. And, um, <coughs> and then he, he started introducing jhana. He, he, so I had a meeting with him <coughs> in Myanmar, mm-hmm. late 1990s. Mm-hmm. I said to him, I hear you're teaching metta in order for people to go into the jhana. Mm. I was a bit surprised, especially it's you. You're supposed to be the tough guy, the Zen master of Theravada, like that. I said, what? But you're teaching metta. I said, where in the suttas does the Buddha say from metta to jhana? Because I know he didn't say that anywhere. So uh, he laughed. He said, it's not in the suttas. I said, I know. And he said, but it works. <laughs> Can't argue with that. It works. I prefer better to go out to all beings in a real practical way. But if he wants to use it for something, you know, all right, why not? And he says, the West needs a, needs better because it's got so much pain, bodily pain, mind pain. So he needs some 
Go on. How are we doing? We've got about three or four minutes. Yes. Okay. So, um, like, I personally, I have wanted to live in a forest monastery. Have you? Yeah. Nice, sweet. Mm. But I kind of have this phobia for creepy things like snakes, you know, all kinds of insects. Mm, yeah. How should I overcome that? Or Go to the forest. It's the only way you're going to do it. You, but I stayed at Park Monastery like for two weeks. I wanted to stay there for three months, but one night, you know, after two weeks, I found a lot of bugs on my on my on my bed. Do you? I scared. I didn't go to sleep that, that night at all. No, I you would no, Stayed all no. night in the meditation hall. Simulates practice. Like crawling things. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it doesn't it, work it, at all. It, it, they just walk. <laughs> it's not. It, it, it's not. Uh, I agree. Not easy. So, um, it takes a while to kind of comfortably coexist with the creature kingdom uh, yeah. very 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 few uh, have the power or, or the wish or intention to cause any, any harm really so with the room oh, the rain is mm-hmm. coming down with, your, with the room one's just make sure there is really no avenue for them to come in and that might mean, sometimes at certain times of the year, cloth in front of the door, on the gap, underneath it. You check every spot around, but nothing actually uh, can get in. You go out the door, you close the door, etc. Um, sometimes I found it helpful to not only have the, the door, but a piece of cloth, which would sometimes be my robe, mm. or an old robe, just hanging down. So I opened the door, but nothing could come because the cloth was there. So it's just a few practical steps. A very good torch, actually two torches, I even now have it right now, I always have two torches with me, da-da-da, uh, and it's just, all of that just gives a little bit of, uh, uh, of confidence, because mm. one is a, a guest in the habitat. That's true. there first. We just we just do visit. But like, are there like alternative places for me to meditate aside from the forest? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. Liz, yeah, yeah. You you keep your eyes and ears open. And Walt, who's here, okay. he's done a whole um, PDF. He'll put up some information about it. Uh-huh. About places to go east and west. Oh. So he'll um, put it up at the end of the retreat. Get a copy of that. Yeah. Yeah, then that might be uh, helpful and the best of all is just talking with people and the very best of all go and see for yourself yeah like which places do you recommend especially for women I, I d- it's really difficult because every in the west every obviously is fine mm-hmm. in the east I hesitate partly because I just come here and I go home more or less right. I just go to Thailand to watch Suan Mok which is fairly good for women's practice, I I'm have to say. So oh, good. Yeah. If you see Ajahn Po, give him lots of love from me. Okay. Um, and some, oh, this is a nice place to be. And just uh, settle. But soon, because I know it, it's a little difficulty is finding teachers. That is a bit of a difficulty. Yeah. Environment is lovely, food is good. Mm. They're a great place for practice, but teachers are in short supply. All right, we're done? Yes. All right, Thank you so much. Thank you, Lily. And I'll uh, 